This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Happy birthday, Singapore! Well, you can see that I am here at the National Stadium, but there's no one else here. Yeah, I think I got the place wrong. I think I've come to the wrong place. No one else is here. I'm here celebrating by myself. Well, we're still going to talk about Psalm 110. And what's way worse than getting the place wrong is getting our response to Jesus wrong. So what's way worse than getting the place wrong is getting our response to Jesus wrong. Well, Psalm 110 will tell us who Jesus is so that it can help us with responding rightly to Jesus. Now, Psalm 110 is a famous psalm. Its distinctive is that it is the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. Okay, so like it is the most quoted. Okay, so so the gospel writers, uh, you know, the the apostles, you know, they, 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 they love to quote from Psalm 110. Now, what's so special? What's so distinctive about Psalm 110 that, you know, the New Testament writers love to quote from it? Well, because it answers and tells us very clearly the, the, the question of where is Jesus now? Where, where is Jesus now? See, in a time when the, the apostles were preaching the gospel, um, in the time when uh, the New Testament was being written, they had to answer the question of where is Jesus now? And the psalm tells us clearly. You can see verse 1, that Jesus is seated at the right hand side of God. That is where Jesus is now. Yes, we cannot see him on earth. Yes, we, we, we cannot interact with him physically, you know, like what the apostles did. Where he is now, he is at the right-hand side of God. Now, in the handout that I sent you, I took the liberty of uh, bolding and changing some of the words, just to make it clearer. So you can see that this psalm is written by David. And David, as it were, is listening in on a conversation. Now, in your Bible, it will say, uh, the Lord says to my Lord, Okay, but the, the first Lord, the capital L-O-R-D Lord, is actually the translation for Yahweh. It's what we use in English, but in the Hebrew, it is God's personal name, Yahweh. So David is listening in on this conversation where Yahweh is speaking to David's Lord. Yahweh says to my Lord, David says. Now, the... David's Lord, who is David's Lord? Well, I think we can understand David's Lord to be the, the king that God promised would come from David's line. So David has been given this promise that a descendant from, from his line will be the ultimate king, the one who will reign forever on the throne of David. So David is, is thinking about this Lord and, and God is talking to David's Lord. Now, in this psalm, God is giving David's Lord 
three jobs. Okay, so that's why in your handout, you know, I, I got it there for you to, for you to fill in. Okay, so let's just look quickly what the three jobs are. Okay, so in verses one to three, we are told about job number one. Okay, so you just look at verses one to three. Okay, so look at the keywords, sit at my right hand. Okay, verse one, verse two, Yahweh will extend your mighty scepter. What, what sort of job requires a scepter? Well, the rest of verse 2 tells us, rule in the midst of your enemies. Okay, so job 1, okay, job 1 uh, of David's Lord is that he is supposed to be the king. The king who sits at God's right hand. Okay, so that's, that's job number 1. Okay, now, what is job number 2? Okay, so job number two, you can see from verse four. Okay, so this one will be quite simple because it actually says it, right? You are a priest. Okay, so the second job that David's Lord is to have is that he is to be a priest. Now the third job, verses five to six. Okay, a bit uh, harder to see, you know, uh, but that word is actually used in verse six. He will judge the nations. Okay, so I think quite clearly uh, the three jobs, he's asked to be a king, he's asked to be a priest, he's asked to be the judge. Okay, so let's um, look at verses 1 to 3 and this job that is given to uh, David's Lord, given to Jesus, that he is to be the king. So verse 1, Yahweh says to my Lord, sit at my Right hand. Now, I think this is uh, imagery that we use even today that the, the, the right hand side, you know, it's the right hand man, it's the, the person uh, who is trusted, the one who is given authority. And so, Jesus is the one who is at the exalted position, position of power and authority. And as we said, this is where he is now. Like we don't, we can't see him physically today. Why, why not? Because he's not on earth. He's not walking amongst us as he, as, as he did in the first century. Where he is now is he is in that position of power and authority. Now, Yahweh goes on to say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Now, the language here of uh, footstool. The enemies are footstool. I think it's uh, the picture of complete domination. You know, so, so this king will, will step all over his enemies. Right? They will be his footstool. Right? It's a picture of, of complete conquest and domination. Okay, but the point to note is that Yahweh says, sit at my right hand until now, which means Jesus is now seated at God's right hand. But as this is happening, the enemies are not yet totally conquered. See, so sit at my right hand until. So this is a process that is happening. Until the enemies are totally dominated, totally, uh, you know, uh, being won over. It is, the enemies are still running about. Which is why, which is why, even though the people of Jesus, they serve 
the one who is the true king, the one who is the, the, the king with power and authority, even though the people of Jesus serve this king, we face opposition today. We face persecution. We, we, we face great suffering for following Jesus. Why? Why, why so much opposition? Why so much suffering if the king that we serve is truly the one in the position of power and authority? Well, because the enemies are still running around, but they will be his footstool. Now, in verse 3, we are introduced to the, the army, the troops of this king. So we are told in verse 3, your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor. Your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. Okay, so the, the troops, the army of this king, they are a, a willing army. They are not forced into fighting. You know, they, they don't have to do like national service. Huh? They, they are a willing army. And they are a holy army, arrayed in holy splendor. And, uh, you know, talking about young men like you, I think it's, it's just the, the imagery of, of freshness, the imagery of youthful energy, right? That's, that's this sort of army that this king has. They are willing to serve their king. Willing to serve, no matter the cost, no matter how fierce the battle may be. And the question is, why? Why, why does this king have this sort of willing army that, you know, the, the army that's willing to go the second mile, willing to turn the other cheek, willing to do all that's necessary to serve that king? Why does this king have this sort of army? Well, this brings us to the second job that Yahweh gives David's Lord. So as we've seen, the second job is that this uh, David's Lord is asked to be a priest. So verse 4, Yahweh has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now first, take note how Yahweh... Or how, how, the way David writes, how he emphasizes that this is a fixed reality. Okay, first Yahweh. Okay, so Yahweh. Now Yahweh is a God who does not lie. Okay, so Yahweh says. Okay, Yahweh says he does not lie, but Yahweh more than says Yahweh has sworn. Yahweh has sworn an oath. And then the third thing that is emphasized is. He will not change his mind. So three three times it's emphasized Yahweh, he's sworn, he will not change his mind. Three times it is emphasized that this is a truth that is fixed and will it will happen. Now, what is this truth that is fixed and will happen? Well, it is that this David's Lord will be a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, what is a priest? Well, a priest is someone who represents the people before God. A priest acts as a a mediator between God and the people. A, 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 A sinful people 
and the Holy God. So the priest acts as that, as that, as a mediator, representing the people, allowing the people to come before a Holy God. Well, can you see why we need a priest? Now just look at Psalm 110. Look at the jobs that is given to this David's law. If there was no job of priest in the middle, can you see what would be left? All that would be left would be this Lord who is the ultimate king, this Lord who is the judge. Now, if you have someone coming over you who is a holy king and who will judge, that means only one destiny for us. It means that we, we, we can only be counted as the, the enemies the enemies that he will use as his footstool, the, the people that he will one day crush, one day execute his full and final judgment on. Can you see that if this, this Lord is just king and judge, this is our only destiny. But this Lord is also given the job of priest. And as priest, he can mediate represent us before a holy God. We we need this priest. And so because of this priest, we can be part of that willing army. We don't just have to be the enemies that will one day be the footstool. We need a priest. Okay, but this is no ordinary priest because this is a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, who is Melchizedek? Well, we read of Melchizedek in Genesis 14. Okay, no need to turn there now, but you can look at it next time. Now, let me just summarize for us. In, in Genesis 14, Abraham has just won a great battle. And he, he goes before uh, Melchizedek. And Melchizedek blesses Abraham. Okay, so Melchizedek blesses Abraham. And we are told in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 7, that the lesser, who is Abraham, is blessed by the greater. So Melchizedek is greater because he blesses Abraham. Now, can you see the, the Old Testament priests? The priests that we read about in the Old Testament. Now, where did they come from? Well, all the Old Testament priests had to come from one tribe. One tribe that descended from Abraham. And that tribe is a tribe of Levi. And when we come to the New Testament, again and again, it will say that these Levi priests, these priests from the tribe of Levi, they cannot do the job. So, so think of it this way. Uh, the, the Levi priests, Old Testament priests, they, they, they wear Levi's. Okay, they wear Levi's, they wear jeans. Okay, and they don't get the job done. But this priest, who is from the, a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Okay, so let's, let's represent it by, you know, this priest who wears a linen, linen sash. Okay, this, he doesn't wear jeans. Huh? He, he's a priest in the order of Melchizedek. He wears a linen sash. He gets the, the job done. Okay, actually, wouldn't it be so much better if we could see it for ourselves? Okay, so this week, instead of a, of a spaceship, uh, I, I made uh, with Adeni a time machine. 
Okay. So, okay. So, this is the time machine. Okay. So, let's try and go back in time and see it for ourselves. Okay. You all ready? Okay. Yeah, let me just punch it in. Okay. Let, let, let's try. Let's try. Okay. Three, two, one. Okay, let's go back in time. Okay, okay. Okay, let's try. Oh, we're traveling, we're traveling. We're traveling back in time. Okay. Oh, 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 oh no. Hey, that's, that's Abraham, my son. Keep quiet. Oh, okay, sorry. Ah, Melchizedek. Abraham, may we be blessed by God Most High, the one who made heaven and earth. Melchizedek, here, the tenth of what I own. Thank you. Eh? Who are you? What are you doing here? Oh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, better go, better go. Okay, let's, let's, let's zoom back. Okay, let's zoom back to a uh, national stadium. Oh, okay. Oh, whew. okay. Well, wasn't that exciting? Okay. Okay, let's, let's, okay, let me get out, let me get out of the time machine. Let's go back, let's go back to the national stadium. Whew. Okay, isn't it great that we could, we could see for ourselves? Now, when, when you saw Melchizedek, do you notice What's so special about him? Like, do you notice why Jesus has to be a priest in the order of Melchizedek? What was he wearing? He's wearing a crown and was wearing the linen sash. Because in the Bible, Melchizedek is the one who is a king as well as a priest. You see, in the Old Testament, either you were a king that came from the tribe of Judah, or you were a priest that wore jeans from the tribe of Levi. Okay, but you never mixed, right? You never mixed. So this David's law, he is king. He is the king over us. But he is also the priest who is for us. That's why he has to be in the order of Melchizedek. He can be the king over us as well as the priest who is for us. Now, this Melchizedek priest, as well as the Levite priest, I mean, they're both priests, right? They both uh, do that function of representing the people before God. But the point of the Bible is that only one works. Okay, think of it this way. Think of it as this way. Okay, so I talk about vehicles. Okay, so a car is a vehicle, and a car is good for you know, getting from one point to another. But if the job is actually about getting from Singapore to California, now, if if that is what is needed, then a car would be useless. A car would, would, would not be able to get the job done. You need another sort of vehicle. You need a plane. A plane would be able to get the job done getting us from Singapore to California. So, so, so both are priests, the Levi priest, the Melchizedek priest, but one cannot get the job done. Only Jesus 
who is the Melchizedek priest, the one who is king as well as priest. He is the one who has offered the sacrifice that can bring us into the presence of God. The sacrifice which is his own body, bearing on the cross, facing the wrath of, of God's judgment that, that we deserved. He's a priest who has offered the only sacrifice that can get the job done. Bringing us before God. Sinful people now able to be in the presence of a holy God. Now the third job, very quickly, is that this David's Lord is also the judge. Now notice what it says in verse 5. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. Now, notice that it says he will. He will. Which means that this is a job that Jesus will only fully accomplish in the future. It is something that will fully happen only in the future. Now, this is important to say because we can look around us and see that, eh, where got judgment? What judgment are you talking about? No, I mean, you know, the sun goes up, it sets, you know, life goes on. Like, like people can think that just because judgment hasn't come means that it will never come. Now, that is a grave mistake to make. That's why we need a reminder from Psalm 110 that that he will come as judge. And when he comes as judge, there is no one who will escape. There is no king or or leader who will be able to, to buy their way, bargain their way out of this judgment. He will come. And in verse 7, this picture of uh, this judge, right? he will drink from a brook along the way, and so he will lift his head high. Now, what is this imagery talking about? Well, you can think of it this way. It's like this judge is a warrior. And in the midst of the battle, he takes a short break. He takes a water break. He gets some water from the brook, and then he continues the battle. See, this is a picture of a warrior who will finish the job. He just takes a short break and then he's refreshed and he will finish the job. This, Jesus, will be the judge who will absolutely carry out God's judgment. This judgment will happen. Now, as I said, uh, Psalm 110 is the most quoted uh, psalm in the, uh, the New Testament. So let's look at one reference, okay, from Acts chapter 2. Okay, so Acts chapter 2, we are told um, that this Jesus okay, is exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And then Peter says, For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, okay, so this is where Psalm 110 is quoted. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand 
until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So Peter continues preaching. <clears throat> this is Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. He says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Where is this Jesus now? He is Lord and Messiah. He is seated at the right hand of God. That is where he is. And so when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And then Peter replied, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for whom the Lord will call. Okay, so you, you see, Peter quotes this. He says, this is who Jesus is. This is where he is. He is, he is exalted and he is at the right hand side of God at the moment. And so the, 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 the his fellow Jews listening to him, they, they are convicted. Oh, oh, the Jesus that we crucified. He, he is a fulfillment of Psalm 110. He is that exalted Lord. And then they ask, what can we do? What shall we do? Now, can you see that if this Jesus, if he is the king, and if he is the judge who will return, and if that is all that he is, then the only thing that Peter can say to his audience is, prepare for judgment. Prepare for judgment. There's nothing you can do. There is no hope for you. But because this Jesus is king, and judge, and he is also priest. He is the priest who has offered once and for all that sacrifice that can bring us into God's presence. That's why Peter can say to the people, repent, repent. No longer, no longer acknowledge yourself as king. No longer say that you are, you are the king. No, repent. Submit to Jesus as king. Be baptized and, and receive this forgiveness. Come to him as priests. Trust in his ones for all sacrifice that can bring you that forgiveness. And so it is because Jesus is that king and priest and judge. That's why this offer is actually open. That we can turn back to him. We can receive this forgiveness for him and we can have great confidence that when he returns to judge, we will not be those enemies that will be crushed, but we will be his, his, his willing troops. And that is what Jesus is working in us now who are his people. He is forming us, making us to be part of his willing troops who are arrayed in holy splendor, full of youthful and fresh energy. You see, one of the National Day songs for this year is Because of who you are, you know, saying to Singapore, because of who you are, I can be everything I am. Well, I think it is more right to say to Jesus, because of who you are, 
because of all that you are, I can be everything I am. May we make the right response to Jesus. May God help us. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.